Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. special edition of the Night Report Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Broadbent, and joining me is Tony Liebert. If you listen to the pod for a while, you would recognize him from when we previewed previous Minnesota games. He is a contributor on Gopher Hole and the host of the Believe in Minnesota podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. So uh, thanks for joining us, Tony. I, I guess most people can assume what we're talking about. It's We're talking about Ethan Kaliak-Manis, the former Minnesota Gophers quarterback who's taken a visit to Rutgers this weekend. Thanks for stopping by to, to discuss it a little bit with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So a lot of Rutgers fans, it's, it's, I was telling you before the pod, this has been the most divisive uh, issue of Rutgers season. You know, you think from the outside, Rutgers is 6-6. Six and six, They're going to a bowl game. But our offense has really struggled in the passing game. Uh, Gavin Winsett was the – uh, had the lowest completion percentage of any FBS quarterback this year over, who had over 200 dropbacks on the season. Um, and it doesn't appear like Ethan Kaliak-Manis has much higher of a completion percentage. So first and foremost, we got to talk completion percentage. What would you attribute mainly Ethan Kaliak-Manis's uh, lack of accuracy this year or in his career, I guess, because it's not far off from where he was last year? Yeah, so uh, we also did talk about a little uh, earlier that his uh, drop rate was one of the highest in the country. Uh, the Gophers receivers kind of struggled in that area all all season in uh, 2023. So that did him no favors, but um, I think the play calling also did him no favors either. He was asked to make a lot of difficult throws in difficult situations, and uh, – when you're a young quarterback, that's a tough ask out of anyone. He uh, was a redshirt sophomore this season, so um, if he does transfer to Rutgers, he'd be a redshirt junior. But um, he only had a handful of starts under his belt that were kind of unexpected from 2022. So uh, asking your new uh, young quarterback to make all these tough throws was kind of a odd strategy. Uh, in my opinion, from the Gophers offense. So that certainly didn't help him, but um, he played like a young quarterback, and that tends to be what happens when it comes to completion percentage. Yeah, so let's talk about the you know how he got his, his feet on the field for the first time last year. Tanner Morgan, obviously, was a – I believe he was a, a fifth-year senior coming into last year, basically led the program in most statistics uh, for his career. He gets hurt right before the Penn State game. Ethan Kalikmanis gets thrown into a whiteout game at Penn State, struggles, but it seemed like as last season went on, he really made some big strides culminating in that Wisconsin game. So just talk about how his progression went last year. 
Yeah, so I actually went to the whiteout game. That was my first game ever at Penn State. And uh, that was a game that they definitely went in with the game plan. They're like, we're not going to throw the ball probably more than 20 times, like most teams in the uh, Big Ten West, RIP. But uh, (laughs) he kind of opened up the playbook more and more as the year went on. Uh, He was kind of the guy uh, behind Tanner Morgan that all the fans were clamoring for whenever Morgan struggled, a highly touted recruit and all this stuff. So when he got the opportunity, all the fans were excited. And at the end of the year with that Wisconsin game, um, it really – Wisconsin's obviously Minnesota's biggest rival, uh, one of the oldest rivalries in the country. So when you were able to perform that well on the road in Madison – you're going to be uh, very well liked amongst all Gophers fans, and you're going to be hyped up a lot when you're a different quarterback too. As we know, watching college sports, when you see something new, fans tend to like that. So um, in that game, he was uh, – it was his best career game probably. Uh, he looked absolutely tremendous, was finding his receivers uh, down the field. Uh, Lamecki Brockington, a guy who's on the Gophers, had a really big game that, that week. but um. That was kind of where everything went together, and that made the hype for 2023 that Gopher fans were like, he's the guy, it's going to be something new, and we just kind of never saw that level of play again. Yeah, for those of you who haven't seen the statistics from that game, you went. Uh, this was just his fourth career start as a redshirt freshman, a night game in Madison, like you said, the biggest rivalry for Minnesota. This is their, you know, this is their, not their Super Bowl every year, but this is the game all the fans get hyped up for. He went 19 for 29, 319 yards, two touchdowns, led them from a 16 to 13 deficit in the fourth quarter to win 23 to 16. Uh, And then he played well in the bowl game too. I think he got dinged up against Syracuse, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, And he was expected to kind of take the next step forward in 2023. Am I correct there? Yeah. Oddly enough, in the bowl game, uh, he was set to start ahead of Tanner Morgan and then uh, he got hurt, uh, pro- I think it was right before halftime. Um, I think he just rolled his ankle maybe, but he got uh, sat on the bench for the rest of the game and Tanner Morgan came in. But in that first half, he looked really good against a Syracuse team that always has a pesky defense. So uh, at that point, the momentum was there and it just kind of never got to that level in 2023. Yeah, so the season starts off uh, with a Big Ten game versus Nebraska. You guys win 13-10. Uh, and then you have a game against Eastern Michigan. You also you also won that game twenty five to six. But it seems like starting with the North Carolina game, the wheels or the, at least the shine started to come off of him a little bit. What happened in the North Carolina game? I know in his in his presser he said that was like the worst game he's ever played. Do you think he was too hard on, on himself, or was he really that bad against North Carolina? Yeah. So I mean, the interesting, the biggest difference between twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three on the Gophers offense was obviously Ethan's the number one guy, but. Uh, Kirk Sharaka is now the offense coordinator at Rutgers and not Minnesota. So yep. um, the Gophers promoted their tight ends coach, Greg Harbo Jr., to co-offensive coordinator along with uh, Matt Simon, who was, who's the wide receivers coach as well, who's been with the program for a while. But uh, it came out that Harbo was calling plays and uh, a guy that many Gophers fans did not grow to appreciate because the play calling was very stale. But um that's kind of what we saw in the first two weeks. It was a lot different of an offense that we saw against Wisconsin, against Syracuse in 2022. And then uh, that North Carolina game, another game that I went to, but 
it, Gophers fans didn't have many high expectations heading into the year because we had a new quarterback. Um, no longer had a All-American level running back with Mo Ibrahim. Replaced a lot of pieces across the whole field. So heading in that game, there weren't much high expectations, but the defense played very well in that game, keeping the Gophers in it really up until the third quarter. And then it just kind of fell apart. And it just, Ethan really looked like he was completely lost. Um, he didn't look like he was playing with much confidence. Um, he, his throws uh, were kind of all over the place. Like you said, it, he said it was uh, the worst game he ever played. And um, I, I think I might agree with that because <laughs> uh, he just did not look comfortable at all out there. He looked overmatched. Uh, the 21 other players on the field played very well in that game. So, um, Games like that can really hurt a player's confidence, especially when they're young, and I think that's kind of what we saw there. Yeah, you guys, you, you mentioned Mo Ibrahim. He was, I think he's the leader, the all-time rushing leader in Minnesota history. If he's not, he's close to up there. He led the Big Ten in rushing twice in 2020 and 2022. You lose a guy like that, it's going to change your offense, but it seemed like you guys had an answer in Darius Taylor. He had, you know, 300-yard games in uh, his first four games of the season. Then he gets hurt, I think, against Northwestern, right? He comes yep. back a little bit for, against Iowa, and then he misses the rest of the season. So your guys' rushing game was not what you guys were used to. Do you think that really hurt the passing game, not having a reliable rushing game behind him? I, yeah, I think it definitely hurt the offense as a whole. Um, when you go from having uh, probably one of the most like bell cow type backs in the country last year, uh, probably it was Ibrahim uh, and uh, Chase Brown probably because like Bijan wasn't getting many carries like. Uh, in the Big Ten, those two guys are getting like 35, 40 a game. So that completely changes your offense. And the Gophers had a lot of injuries at the running back position. Uh, Darius Taylor now is supposed to be the guy who kind of saves the program. Thankfully, he did decide to return um, instead of uh, entering the transfer portal after his true freshman year. But that's besides the point. Um, the Gophers had him kind of break through to that number one spot. And then they have another – they did have another talented freshman who's now in the portal, Zach Evans, but he was dealing with injuries all year. Uh, Sean Tyler they brought in from Western Michigan. Uh, he kind of didn't pan out as much as Gophers fans would have hoped. He had fumbling issues all year and kind of couldn't find his footing. Uh, Bryce Williams had an injury as well. He was a veteran running back. So in the Michigan State game, there was a point where – uh, their starting running back was Jordan Newbin, Tyler Newbin's uh, younger brother, oddly enough. But um, he is, was a walk-on safety that converted to running back. So for a young quarterback like Ethan, and you're uh, supposed to be a run-first team, and you have a uh, walk-on safety playing running back, it's tough ask for anyone. So ultimately, the circumstances did not help him a whole lot this year, but um, – there certainly was room for him to improve. Yeah, and, and as the course of the season went on, you guys started five and three. You finished the season five and seven. You went on a four-game skid. Rutgers fans said the same thing happened to them. Only we started six and two, went on a four-game skid. Was that when the coaching staff and the fans really turned on Ethan? Is that that four-game skid at the end of the year? Yeah. So it, it was a really interesting year, and. Ethan was in a really interesting spot because he was like the uh, the season starts out slow. They blow a 14-point late fourth quarter lead to Northwestern. And at that point, 
people didn't think Northwestern was going to play in a bowl game. So that loss looked absolutely atrocious at that point. So in, in that moment, the uh, ho hopes of everyone, the coaching staff, the quarterback, it was all very low. And then the Gophers go out, win, win their homecoming game against Louisiana, and then uh, they lose to Michigan, get absolutely blown out. So there's the bye week and then the Iowa game. And the Gophers' number two rival is Iowa, team they hadn't beat in Iowa City in over two decades my whole life. They haven't beat them at all since I think it was 12 or 13 years. So Ethan goes into Iowa City, knocks off Iowa, uh, only less than a year after knocking off Wisconsin and Madison. So um, he wasn't burn it, turning the world on fire there, but having both those wins raises your uh, status amongst Gophers fans. So at that point, Gophers fans were like, we're still in the race for the Big Ten West because it's always a mess. They beat Iowa, who's supposed to be the best team. And then the Michigan State game, they beat Michigan State. And then uh, after that, the Illinois game, they let up a Hail Mary touchdown at the end of the game. And just that was a turning point of the whole season. Um, I think it just deflated everyone clearly because then the Purdue game, they get absolutely blown out by a Purdue team that had two wins at the time. And then Ohio State game, they looked lifeless. And then they lose to Wisconsin at home to end the year. So um, it, it was certainly a really up and down season, which kind of was expected for a team that w had a lot of moving parts. But um, I would say the Northwestern game and the Illinois game were two huge moments. And then the Purdue game getting blown out, blown out at Purdue was just a very humbling uh, experience for Ethan and Gophers fans. So where would you say the, the fan base sits in terms of how, what percentage wanted Ethan gone? What percentage wanted a new quarterback after the end of the year? I would put it at, um, I'd say 70% probably wanted a new quarterback. Uh, Gophers fans are really tough on their quarterback. I don't know why, because we really have never had <laughs> a good quarterback. Um, but uh a lot of fans thought that we should bring in a transfer. Uh, we have a talented incoming freshman too. So a lot of fans at least wanted a competition um, because I think most people wanted Ethan to succeed. He's a great guy. He bought into Minnesota. He was Minnesota everything. And uh, fans wanted it to work. And uh, it just didn't. So the idea of him transferring was kind of a surprise to people because P.J., Fleck has been very loyal to his quarterbacks. He held on to Tanner for a very long time. People thought that might be – it might have been a little too long. And people thought he might do the same with Ethan. But they clearly uh, didn't see eye to eye at some point of the season. If that was after the Wisconsin game or before the Wisconsin game, that's all up to speculation. But um, I think a lot of fans wanted to change because this year was very – Missed opportunity. There's been three straight years that the Gophers have had a chance to compete in the Big Ten West realistically, and they've just completely missed their shot. Yeah, you mentioned P.J. Fleck, and obviously there was a controversial article that came out recently saying, you know, and there's been a lot of back and forth on, on social media with Ethan's family about, you know, his reasoning behind his transfer. What is the reasoning that you have that you've heard or what you believe to have happened in this whole situation? Yeah, so um, initially it came out 
that the Gophers deciding to go after quarterbacks in the transfer portal might have ruffled some feathers amongst their family, but um, it his father shot that down on Twitter and said that's not the case, and that came out uh, really shortly after he entered the portal, maybe like a day or two, maybe even the day of. I can't remember exactly, but so that reason um, I don't think is the case. And then a few about a week after he officially entered the portal, it came out that there might have been a riff uh, during that Purdue game that um, Ethan did not play very well. Really, nobody played well in that game, but um, that P.J. Fleck had a one-on-one with him, and that was ultimately a disagreement that um, included uh, not seeing eye-to-eye, like I said. And I think that's kind of where the uh, issues started brewing between both of them that it might not work long term because after that game they just kind of looked lifeless as a team and it didn't really look like a traditional pj fleck team so uh, when you don't have your qb1 bought in it's always tough um but i i think that ultimately sparked something i don't know what happened in that conversation but um that kind of was the beginning of the end after the purdue game gotcha um and so we've kind of talked about how his career has gone for Minnesota. Tell tell Rutgers fans who've never really – some haven't ever seen him play. Tell us about his game, what he does well, where he struggles, where he needs to improve. Yeah, so oddly enough, I, I was all in on the eighth and Trenton preseason. Uh, coming off that Wisconsin game, like we mentioned, and it was something new, something different. The Gophers haven't had a mobile athletic quarterback in a while. And I think – I, I, I don't mean to stop you, but you say mobile and athletic, and that's not what the typical uh, – the way people typically talk about Ethan. So is he a better athlete than he's given credit for? Yeah, I, I think that's honestly the issue uh, with the way they used him this year because um, I think he's a true dual threat. Um, he's not very big, not big like a guy like Gavin Wimsett. It doesn't look like he's uh, in the weight room a ton. Um but he's an incredibly – he's an incredible athlete. He's a really, really good athlete. He was the Gatorade State Player of the Year on um, his senior year in Illinois. And uh, watching him at practice throw the football, he's one of those guys that um, when you're wearing shorts, it looks effortless. Um, he can make any throw in the book. But when it came to playing on the field in the Big Ten Conference, that wasn't always the case last year. So – Uh, When I went to a lot of practices preseason in the spring and in the fall, um, I was bought in. I'm like, oh, this guy's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And uh, it it was different because people thought they might use him scrambling more um, and have some design runs, which is something I truly think he can do uh, because he is a really good athlete. And it's arm talent, athleticism, and height, he had. If you designed a uh, quarterback in a lab, he'd be uh, right up there on like the 90th percentile of traits. But uh, performance is something that he struggled with last year. So um, he has all the tools. He's shown he can uh, do it at times against tough competition on the road. But there's been other times where he's looked very pedestrian. Um. So. How would you say Minnesota's talent around him was from 22 to 23? Do you think there was a drop-off in, 
you know, receivers in, uh, we already talked about the rushing game. That's clear, but protection, offensive line play. Do you think there was a general drop off there or would you say it was about the same from 22 to 23? Um, I would say the offensive line was, uh, definitely worse. Uh, John Michael Schmitz guy who was a second round pick now on the giants, uh, graduated last off season. So, um, we mentioned Mo Ibrahim, who uh, tremendous college football player, hasn't really made it in the NFL yet. But um, outside of that, I would say the weapons were the same, if not better. Brevin Spanford is a guy who's going to play in the NFL at the tight end position. And the Gophers had a few wide receivers transfer away, but they replaced him arguably with more talent. Um, Daniel Jackson is a very talented receiver that I think will play in the NFL. Uh, Corey Crooms, they brought in from Western Michigan, who uh, looked very good at times, but led the team in drops. Uh, Span Ford had an interesting season that he was kind of hyped up that he could be the number two tight end in the country, but uh, he had struggled with drops a lot and then uh, kind of probably hurt his draft stock a little bit. But um, outside of that, they brought in Elijah Spencer, who was a former Conference USA Freshman of the Year at Charlotte who really never got going. Uh, Chris Amabel was in his seventh year of college, remarkably, but um, he's a guy who's been there for a while and he's done it. So uh, he's a talented guy. So the receivers were good. Um, it's just, I felt like there was too much pressure on Ethan. They weren't really schemed to get open well. He, he was making really tough throws. Uh, the defense is the worst it's been since 2020. So um, he was on the field a lot. And he was asked to uh, score with teams, which is something that Minnesota has never really been good at. They play that uh, Iowa-Wisconsin style of football under P.J. Fleck where they like to rely on the run, like to rely on time of possession, and like to force the other team into making mistakes. And I feel like this year there was too much pressure on Ethan to have success. How would you say Kirk Soraka used him last year, and how did that differ from this year? Um, I it really comes down to the uh, way the offense was structured and getting receivers open. Um, I'll, I'll admit I'm not the greatest X's and O's guy, but uh, it just seemed like everything was in rhythm more um, in years past, especially under Kirk Soraka. And it seemed like he was put in comfortable positions that they were like, okay, he's a young quarterback. He needs to make easy throws, but take a deep shot every once in a while. Uh, this year, it kind of seemed like the deep shots were just sporadic all over the place and kind of had no flow in the offense. And uh, our offensive coordinator, it was his first year calling plays. So I think that kind of hurt Ethan a little bit and, a guy who recruited him with Chiraca gone and uh, this new tight ends coach who was promoted that Ethan wasn't familiar with as a high school recruit. Um, I, I don't think they really ever meshed. And I don't think uh, Greg Harbo, who uh, is what his name is, really ever saw what Ethan can succeed at and what he's good at. And I think he had a different idea in mind of what type of player he is. And I, I think that was the biggest difference in his level of uh, success. Gotcha. If Rutgers does happen to land Ethan, um, how excited 
should they be on a scale of one to 10 thinking of everything in terms of him reuniting with Kirk Soraka, you know, playing, you know, Rutgers had an announcement this week of like nine returning starters, including the big tens leading rusher and Kyle Manung guys. So given all those things, how excited would you be if you were a Rutgers fan, knowing what you know about Ethan, if you landed on the team? Yeah, I uh, watched a few Rutgers games this year, and uh, you mentioned how Wimsett's a very inaccurate quarterback, but um, he ha- has the dual threat ability, and he's definitely more of a rusher than a passer, I'd say. So, um, Ethan is a different skill set. I did mention that he, I believe he can run. He doesn't have the statistics that shows that, but um, Ethan's certainly more a passer than a runner. And I think it would be an interesting position for Rutgers because it's two young quarterbacks still that don't have a whole lot of starts, but have enough starts under their belt that um, still have high potential. I think uh, both guys would uh, bring different skill sets to the table and it would, they're both starting caliber quarterbacks, I believe. Um, It's just, they're both, they have, it's kind of the things one guy does better the other uh, doesn't so their skill sets together um in college football we see the two qb system never work uh people always try <laughs> it but uh, maybe they could try it i i don't know if that's something Rutgers fans would want but um their skill sets would be interesting in the quarterback room and i i think it could bring good competition out of both of them and it would uh be an interesting thing to see because uh Rutgers was pretty uh pesky team last year and i think Ethan could kind of help them fill the voids that they were missing on offense. Interesting. So he's coming with his brother, Dino, who is also a pretty highly ranked recruit coming out of high school. I think Rivals had him as a 5.73 star. He hasn't really had a whole lot of production at Minnesota. It doesn't seem like he's played a lot. Um, What have you heard about his brother, Dino, um, in the wide receiver room? Is he just not kind of cracked the the two deep? What's going on with him? Yeah, so Minnesota's done – pretty well recruiting the wide receiver position in high school and the transfer portal. So um, the fact that he hasn't broke through into getting significant playing time, I think is more to that, that uh, they've just had very talented receivers that were more highly touted and uh, guys like Chris Ottenbell coming back for their seventh year doesn't certainly help uh, young guys trying to break through there, but, um, like you said, he was a very talented high school recruit, and if he's able to play with his brother, um, obviously they have good chemistry. Um, he just didn't see the field uh, really at all at Minnesota. So uh, a guy who hasn't played real game reps now in over three years might be a little tough. So um, I, I wouldn't necessarily get your hopes up too much uh, when it comes to adding him, but uh, obviously getting a guy who knows the quarterback better than anyone uh, certainly wouldn't hurt. Yeah, definitely not. Um, well, Tony, I really appreciate you coming on to talk Ethan Calic-Manis and uh, give Rutgers fans a little background on his situation, how he was used by the Gophers and kind of everything regarding him. Uh, tell us where we could find your work and uh, where we can find you on social media. Yep, you can uh, find kind of everything on Twitter. I'm certainly a Twitter guy, uh, at Tony Liebert, and that's L-I-E-B-E-R-T. And, yeah, you can find all your uh, Gophers news there next time Rutgers matches up with the Gophers and uh, basketball or football. Um, You can kind of scout your opponent there. Um, But, yeah, thanks for having me. I always love talking Big Ten football with anyone that will listen. So, 
Um, <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Tony. Uh, for Rutgers fans, we will have coverage on the contract extensions that got announced today. Greg Schiano got a new contract, as well as both coordinators. We'll record something tomorrow. But I wanted to get this out as soon as we could to uh, discuss the portal visitor that's coming this weekend at quarterback. Uh, but for me and everyone else at TKR, this has been another edition of the podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.